It's time to talk politics. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome to the program once again. This is Kevin Hardwick. A uh, lot going on, especially in Albany, as the New York State Legislature winds down, or maybe not a lot going on, as the case may be, with the State Senate. We'll see. Anyway, uh, we'll be talking about that in an hour with New York State Senator Rob Ort, a former student of mine. Uh, yes, uh, Rob Ort is a Canisius College Golden Griffin. Also along for the ride will be Spectrum News reporter Ryan Whalen. We'll be live in studio. We'll be taking your calls. That's an hour from now. First hour, however, we're bringing back a popular segment from a few weeks ago, which I titled The Doctors. Now, not medical doctors, but doctors of politics, people with doctorates uh, who uh, were just talking some politics. It was a very successful a couple weeks ago. I had uh, Dr. Tim Callen, and I had uh, Dr. Brian Polliner. Now, Dr. Brian Polliner is unable to join us, so we're uh, we're filling in with Dr. Uh, Jill O'Malley. Uh, Jill O'Malley a, uh, has her doctorate in what, biology, I assume? No, I'm a doctor of chiropractic, actually. You're you're kidding. No, I and you and you practice, teach yeah. and and you teach. You're more of a doctor than us, then. <laughs> yeah. And you're uh, you you uh, you teach biology, however. Yes. At uh, ECC. Yes. And we're also we're giving an honorary doctorate to Peter Savage. Now, Peter uh, uh, is a is a lawyer, so technically he has a juris. Uh, doctor, but but Tim Callen, you're shaking your head. That's not a real doctor. No, no. I mean, no. I mean he's even less of a real doctor than we are. Can, right? Can, can can lawyers be called doctors? I I I don't know. We've been know. called a lot worse. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is a a lawyer who is a doctor that I know. Doctor Barry Weinstein is a lawyer and a doctor, a Fair former enough. supervisor of the town of Amherst, former county legislator. Look, uh, Jill, we've we, we've got you here. Now you're over at ECC. You've been there for how long? Fourteen years. There have been some changes. I mean, yes. m- most recently, you you have for the last year. You've got the uh, uh, doctor, doctor uh, Daniel Hokoy, the uh, the new president over there. Uh, there have been a lot of changes. The STEM building, the long-awaited STEM building, is up and running. We should mention that, by the way, Doctor Tim Callen is on the board of trustees of ECC. But Jill, you're there, uh, unlike Tim, every day. Uh, is there is there a change in the uh, the, uh, the 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 culture there? Is there uh, 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 is morale better? Yeah, I would say um, definitely. We uh, you know we were w- without a contract for a long time, and I think that is always uh, a morale bust, if you will, because you don't believe your administration has the faith to come to the table to actually negotiate. Um, and as you and Peter both recall, we ended up um, leveraging some lobbying efforts to come to speak at the county legislature. I mean, that's how dire our situation has gotten. But Dr. Hokoy, one thing I appreciate about him is there are some physical changes to the building, um, and he's been a face for ECC. So he's been out there talking and putting things out there, and he doesn't mince words. We had a wonderful press conference on the corner near our 45 Oak Street, and he really, you know, embraced the racial diversity that we have at City Campus in particular and really made that a warm, welcoming place. So there's been some positive changes. Now, now the success of Erie Community College is extremely important, not only to the students, not only to the faculty, but the taxpayers of Erie County. Is it not, Dr. Callen? I mean, there's this thing, and, and, and let's get into the weeds a little bit, maybe educate some people. Uh, whether or not I have a, a child or, or a, a spouse or a relative at ECC taking classes, what happens there, their success impacts me as a county property taxpayer, does it not? Uh, certainly. I mean, uh, e- 
SUNY Erie, as Dr. Hakoi has rebranded uh, Erie Community College, is uh, its success is so critical for our community at large, both from a workforce development standpoint, uh, because not everybody wants to go on and get a four-year degree or a master's degree or something higher. There's plenty of people that want to get certificates and associate's degrees in various skilled trades, which ECC is highly successful um, at educating uh, the next generation of uh, people in our community. But there's also budgetary implications. I think you're going down the track on chargebacks. I, I certainly am. I mean, I mean, Peter Savage, uh, you and I share the town of Tonawanda in the county legislature. Chargebacks are killing us. It's huge, especially with the proximity of Ventrip uh, in the North Towns. Tim, what are, what are chargebacks for, for those tuning in and saying, what are these people talking about? So it, it's a provision of state law. And what it essentially means is that if an Erie County resident goes and attends a community college outside of Erie, they go to Niagara County Community College, NCCC, that uh, Legislator Savage referred to, or they go to the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City, uh, where we have quite a few students from uh, Erie County attending FIT and actually doing bachelor's or master's degrees there. If, if we have an Erie County resident that attends a community college outside of Erie County, Erie County government has to make a payment to that community college to help subsidize the cost of that student from Erie County attending that institution. And the cost to Erie County government is many, many millions of dollars a year. And, and then that gets put on the taxes of the people from the town or the city from which they come. And that's why Peter and I are so upset, because uh, NCCC attracts so many students from the town of Tonawanda and from Grand Island, which I also represent, and the city of Tonawanda. And every time they go there, it's like we get like a $2,000 bill, which doesn't get shared with everybody in Erie County. It goes on, if my neighbor goes in the city of Tonawanda, then that, that goes on, that $2,000 is charged to the you know, 14, 15,000 people in the city of Tonawanda. We, we have to make that up. And, and, I, and I think, just to jump in there, I think that's why this rebranding that we've been talking about um, in this transition period has been so critically important to not only, not just changing the name, but to start to re-identify what our students are looking for, what is leading to the decision. It's not just um, geographic anymore. It's what programs are being offered, uh, the feel of being in a real, you know, quote-unquote, college campus uh, life and experience, and continuing to make a transition on the road so that the ECC of yesterday, what people were mm -hmm. used to, that we're rebranding ourselves to be more in line with what students are looking for today. I would agree. I think there's two segments of the population we're trying to reach. I think there's the people who probably would be choosing a community college anyways, and I'm a community college product. I'm from central New York. I went to Cayuga Community College. So those are people who are, gonna, are going to go and maybe reinventing ECC to let them know that we do have quality programming and equivalent programming. But then also people who might not have considered a traditional community college on their pathway. So I started at my community college and transferred to Syracuse University for my bachelor's and master's. So I saved myself $50,000 by going to a community college and transferring. We're really trying to let parents know as accumulating student debt is a huge concern for parents and graduates that ECC is a viable transition to a four-year pathway, if that's what you choose. But we're also seeing the need for the certificates and the trades as well. And in our tours like BOCES, where we're looking at our, what our students are taking, you know, pathways in HVAC and welding, I mean, those are needed as well. So. Hey, we have to take a, uh, a quick break now, but when we come back, uh, the, uh, the doctors sitting around the table will still be here. 
Uh, and I want to open up the discussion, talk a little bit more about taxes in general. Uh, and if you hear something this morning that uh, you want to chime in on, please feel free to give us a call. 803-0930 is the number. 803-0930. Uh, we'll be back after the break. In the meantime, I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome back to the program. This is Kevin Hardwick sitting here with the doctors around the table, Dr. Tim Callen, Dr. Jill O'Malley, and uh, Juris, Dr. Uh, a lawyer. Uh, I'm just relieved we're not Peter, <laughs> Peter Savage. By, Peter, by the way, is chairman of the Erie County Legislature. We should mention that uh, that uh, Tim Callen is uh, chief of staff for the majority in the Erie County Legislature, also a member of the Board of Trustees at EC, I'm sorry, SUNY Erie. SUNY Erie, not ECC. ECC is gone. SUNY Erie is in. <laughs> and Jill O'Malley, who teaches biology at ECC, uh, we should mention is also the president of the Kenton School Board. And I guess it's that where we want to, that direction we want to take things now. I want to talk about taxes. You know, by the way, if you have a, a favorite tax or a least favorite tax, uh, and you want to, you want to make a case for it or against it, and by favorite tax, I'm not talking about school tax, <laughs> county tax, whatever. I'm talking about sales tax versus income tax, uh, versus user fees, uh, versus a property tax. I mean, if, if, if we got to pay for government, how would you prefer to pay for it? You want to pay through your property tax, your sales tax, your income tax? What's fair? What's the best way? Uh, if you want to chime in on that, 803-0930, I'd love to hear from you. But in the meantime, let's talk about a proposal recently by the county executive to reduce the biggest uh, source of property taxes in Erie County, school taxes. Uh, he's recommending some consolidation of districts. Uh, he mentions, for instance, that Cheektowaga has five school districts plus five, you know, they have parts of others are in there, but five whole school districts are in Cheektowaga and then, you know, pieces of one or two more. And there's no reason that Cheektowaga needs five. And I think most of us would agree if we were starting from scratch, Cheektowaga probably wouldn't need five school districts. The problem is how do you get from where we are? to where you're going to be. Jill, uh, as president of the Kenton School District, Kenton, by the way, or Ken, t the town of Tonawanda has two school districts, right? It has Kenton, and then there's a little bit of Sweet Home in there. Right. And I'm not yeah, sure right. how that ever happened, but I'm, I'm sure there's a history to it. But anyway, you have some thoughts on this consolidation proposal. Well, I, I do, and I, I really have to credit Dr. Bruce Frazier, who's been serving as the executive director for the Erie County Association of School Boards. He is extremely knowledgeable, and he's brought so much information to us as members. I serve on the executive board there, and it's really, it's data-driven research. And I guess when this, uh, the county executive had put this forward, I, I know the county executive, um, very casually, I sent an email to just, I guess, maybe play the mom role to consider the emotion of something like this. So it's not always about dollars and cents. And I have colleagues in those Cheek Tawagas. And, and if you know Cheek Tawaga, then you would know that there are just different pockets of identity there, and they're not one in the same. And when you're talking about consolidation, I remember many years ago, Tim, you probably remember um, Mr. Mondanero, Mark Mondanero used to be our previous mm -hmm. superintendent. And when we were facing a $12 million budget crisis, that's when talks began about closing schools within our own Kenton district. And although those decisions were made before I was on the board, I can tell you I was at those meetings. Very, very emotional for people to close these schools, especially if you pride yourself on having small neighborhood schools. But at that time, he also talked about 
whether or not we would consider intra-district uh, versus inter-district consolidation. And the points he brought up, things about transportation. And for example, in Kenton, we own our own fleet. And in mm -hmm. other places, we subcontract. So now you're talking about collective bargaining issues as well. And to that point, you are also now going with the greatest common denominator. You know, if you've got a, a differential in salary structure that, for every single that's piece, that's the key. That I mean, cancels out I mean, the, the county savings. executive made the case that you know, rather than five superintendents, you'd have one, and five deputy superintendents for instruction or whatever, you'd have one, and and you would save money, no question about it, on administration. But you'd lose it in in teacher salaries and and everybody teacher, else because aides, again if nurses. if if Maryvale has a different salary structure than Chictawaga than JFK then you know the highest common did you call it the highest common yeah. denominator I think it is yeah whoever has the best salary whoever has the most sick days whoever has the most you know personal days or whatever the best health care plan that's what you're probably going to get and that's where you're going to get killed but in terms of closing schools I don't think that the county executive said you'd need to close schools, and you probably wouldn't. You'd still have a Maryvale High School. You'd still have a Chictawaga High School. In, in the same way that within one district, like Kenton now, there's a Ken East and a Ken West. In Williamsville, there's Williamsville North, South, and East, right, or West. What? Williamsville has three directions covered. One one slipped away, apparently, but you'd, you'd still have that. Peter, what, what do you think about this? Well, I, I, where I give the county executive credit is willing to take, you know, the – the opportunity to, to have the discussion. And I think, um, you know, I think, well, you know, my view on this is, you know, this is the beginning of a conversation, not not the end of a conversation. And I think a lot of the issues that Jill raised um, are equally important as just the financial considerations. Um, but, you know, when you get into issues of, of children and their schools, and it's not just the education, it's the community mm -hmm. that is that are involved. And I think that's what the, that diversity is how um, we ended up in that situation in the first place, and that needs to be considered. So they have to be at the table for those discussions. Well, definitely, I think the number one thing, and this is probably what drives a lot of my feeling about this, is poverty. So we look at like Chictawaga Sloan, which has a very high free and reduced lunch rate. You have to understand the needs of those children. So even with our in our district. You know, we have schools, elementary schools that ranged, well, up until before consolidation, low 20s for free and reduced lunch all the way up to 88%. So I mentioned this on Thursday night. My son, who's a first grader, brought home a math assignment which required him to cut out shapes on a piece of paper. That makes an assumption that your households have scissors. And what we know is kids have told us they don't have writing mm -hmm. utensils, they don't have scissors in the poorest homes. So in a place that identifies that understands their student population, they'll make accommodations for that. Whereas if you live in, let's say, a more affluent suburb, maybe Williamsville, you might still have those needs, but they're probably not going to be to the forefront of consideration, and so you're, you're losing those kids. Tim, you Tim, you have, you go, go ahead. Yes, I mean, consolidation, we all know, sort of has an ugly connotation to it after what happened during the Jomber administration in the early 2000s and the way that that all played out. But I think, and I'm, I don't, I'm not, I want to be careful to say I'm not speaking for the county executive, but everything they heard about his proposals, he's talking about back office operations to start. Yeah. He's not talking about ending teacher unions or other unions. He's talking about do we need. Well, he's talking about consolidating districts, though. So I was, you know, if he's just talking about consolidating some functions, 
you know, to a certain extent, you already have that with some uh, uh, school districts. Yeah, well, BOCES. But I'm thinking about things like, you know, two small districts uh, joining together on sports teams, you know, the, a, a common football team or Which whatever. Happens. They don't have enough players. That sort of thing, you know, that, that sort of thing makes sense. But I think he was talking about consolidating districts, just racing the lines and which which probably Chitawaga isn't the place to start with that i mean he's made it the poster child and for for a good reason because i i, I think there are five districts and people look at that and kind of scratch their head and say why is that uh but really if you're going to consolidate there might be a district or two someplace in erie county that makes sense some of the smaller districts no tim I would defer to Jill. I mean, she, uh, with her, <laughs> her her work with the, uh, the, the school board, the, the, the doctors are asking for uh, for uh, second uh, opinions here. Now, now you know why I'm not a doctor. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm not a real doctor. No. Well, I also come from, um, in, as I mentioned, I'm from Central New York, Town. We moved out to the country to the Southern Cuga School District, and then I also went to Union Springs. Both very small. I think my graduating class was about 52 people. So. Trying to paint everything with a broad brush is is it's it just won't work. So what happens here in Kenton as a first ring suburb mm-hmm. might not be a good fit. For I, other I, districts. I I I I think that's a that's a good point. Uh, we have to take a break. Uh, Alan Harris is standing by in the newsroom with the uh, with the latest. Uh, when we come back, I think I'd like to shift a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, play to, uh, Dr. Callen. Dr. Callen came in. He did some research on the G7 and he wants to talk about Trump. Uh, so let's, uh, let's, let, let's, let's talk a little bit about Trump after the break. In the meantime, I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome back to Hardline. This is Kevin Hardwick. Half an hour from now, we'll be joined live in studio by New York State Senator Rob Ort. Also along for the ride will be Ryan Whalen of uh, Spectrum News, their Capital Tonight program. Good, uh, We'll have a good hour there. But in the meantime, I'm sitting here with the doctors, Dr. Tim Callen, Dr. Jill O'Malley, and Juris Dr. <laughs> uh, Peter Savage, chair of the Erie County Legislature. Uh, we want to get into shortly, uh, Tim is just, just dying to tell us about the G7 and Trump and probably uh, uh, make some uh, remarks about the president and what he's doing there. But uh, we have a, I, I want to take a call from the last segment. Uh, uh, Frank, in, uh, uh, Frank in Buffalo is joining us. Uh, Frank has some thoughts about the school consolidation. Frank, thank you for listening. Welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, thank you. I enjoy your show. It's, thank you. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Um, my head's kind of exploding when I listen to these <laughs> talks because the majority of the country, there are countywide school districts, not individual, certainly not five in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it's just, this is why we are doomed to failure. We never make any changes. We have a diminishing population. All of our children that get this wonderful education graduate and go to live somewhere else. And then we're stuck with this antiquated old system and it's, and it's awful. Who says you have to pick only the highest school uh, pay? Why couldn't you take the average of the pay? Why does it always have to be the most expensive? Uh, I, I, I totally understand that. And, and, and that's where the problem comes in. I think I would agree with you. I think we would all agree with you that it doesn't make any sense if you were starting from scratch to have five school districts in Chictawaga. And the problem, again, is getting here from there. And, and you know, when you get into the negotiations – if I'm a teacher at the, you know, making $80,000 a year and my counterpart with the same degree, you know, same a master's plus 30 and, and 12 years of experience or whatever is making 60 at another school, I'm not going down to 70. Uh, I'm, I'm wanting 80. And of course that would, 
if that's the new agreement, then everybody else is going to be pulled up to 80 and you lose. Tim, you, you have, you're leaning in. Well, I mean, certainly the, any discussion of consolidation of school districts, let alone any level of government, runs into those practical and administrative headaches, right, of merging unions. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we see it in the airline industry. When airlines merge and you've got to get different pilots uh, uh, from the different airlines, they have different rates of pay and seniority and all that. But, but, but pilots aren't covered by the Taylor Law. That's right. And that's, that's a problem. Frank, uh, uh, I'll give you the last word on this before we move on. Well, I guess, in a way, it, it also hurts the smaller districts because what happens is they get new teachers in. They're very good, mm-hmm. the best, and they're, they're super. And then they get a couple years' experience. And where do those new teachers go? Do they stay at the district that plays the lowest amount that gave them a shot? Sure. No. They jump over to the, the new district or the district that pays the most. So it's self-defeating it, in so many ways. That's, that, 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 that's another point that we haven't touched on, and it's an excellent one. And I think it goes back to what Peter Savage said earlier when he gave the county executive credit for at least bringing up the, the subject. You're not going to get from A to B without having these conversations. And, you know, everybody agrees on paper that, you know, it, you would never, as you said, you would never start where, where this exists. But um, to say, you know, we can just do this with a, you know, or any school district can just do this with the bat of mm-hmm. an eye without contemplating, you know, there, like it or not, the Taylor Law exists. Like it or not, there are collectively bargained contracts in place that need to be considered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to have the people mm-hmm. at the right people at the table to have those conversations. So, so, so Frank, thank you for uh, joining the conversation. Look forward to talking to you again in the future. Uh, that was Frank in Buffalo. A line opens up if you want to get in. 803 is the number. But right now we're going to switch topics. And, again, we're going to, uh, Tim, this is going to be therapeutic for Dr. Callen. Uh, he's got to get something off his chest. He came in this morning with a page full of notes. He's been up all night. He's, he's operating on no sleep. Uh, and, and he just wanted to talk about the G7 and, and Donald Trump. So, Dr. Callen, the microphone in front of you is yours. Uh, thank you. I mean, I, I, I wasn't yeah. – <laughs> I feel like I'm being, I've been set up here, and all of a sudden the switchboard is going to get flooded with calls. But uh, no, it, it just struck me you know, coming off the G7 summit in uh, in Quebec yesterday. Uh, I thought it'd be an interesting exercise to just look at some of the headlines, not necessarily look at the content of articles of newspapers around the country, mm-hmm. but from uh, uh, mainstream media outlets to conservative to quote unquote liberal media outlets. Just look at what the headlines said about the G7 summit, because if you open up the paper today or watched Meet the Press at 9, or the, the Sunday morning talk shows on the TV stations. You have all these pundits talking about how the, the G7 summit, which ended yesterday, was this sort of debacle where six of the seven industrialized nations that are all allies and partners were on one page, and President Trump and the United States were on a completely different page. So you, you look at the New York Times. It, the headline said, at G7, Trump follows his own script. Washington Post uh, amid feud with Trudeau, the Canadian Prime Minister, Trump pulls U.S. from G7 joint statement. Uh, another article in the Washington Post, European leaders are outraged by Trump, but they're not surprised. Um, USA Today, German Chancellor Merkel's stare-down photo sums up Trump's time at G7. The Wall Street Journal, Trump refuses to back G7 statement, escalating tensions. Um, in an unprecedented move, President Donald Trump said the U.S wouldn't endorse the final communique released at the end of the summit, citing false comments by Canada's prime minister. And then the very conservative Washington Times, uh, Trump defiant is odd man out on trade at G7 summit. So I just thought it was interesting that um, at a time when it seems like the United States 
should and needs its allies more than ever, whether it's support for the war in Afghanistan and what we're doing there with nation building or support against al-Qaeda and al-Shabaab in Africa, um, that instead of building partnerships and keeping our friends close, uh, we seem to be in this different situation. Yeah. Uh, uh, Peter, Peter Savage, uh, let me t- turn to you. Um, I've heard enough from Dr. Kay. <laughs> Peter. Story, story of my day. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Peter, wow. Peter getting, at, at, at the same time, at the same time, the president's approval rating is as high as it's been in, in, mm-hmm. in recent memory. Although I, I, I must admit that it, it does concern me somewhat that at a time when the uh, the president is uh, alienating our friends to the north, the Canadians and our other allies, he seems to embracing uh, you know Putin and the Russians, uh, and uh, and and you know God knows what the photo op will be uh, coming up at this summit now that he's North in Korea. Singapore with the uh, uh, you know the the North Koreans. I mean, we, we've discussed this before. I, I think with this president, so much of the narrative is is quote unquote already baked into the cake. I think people. Um, you know, there's there's not a lot of people out in the community and across this country that are unsure about how they feel about this president and his and his demeanor. And Very his polarizing, yes. Um, you know, what I where I thought Kevin or where Tim was going to go with those headlines, I thought he was going to be quoting um, you know something from Canadian Bacon. Out of, <laughs> you know, you know, we're, we're, you know, I wake up this morning and you know we're at war with Canada. There, um, <laughs> extra extra credit for Peter for getting in an '80s movie reference. Yeah, right. that's, so, that's, that's that's great. Hey, uh, uh, you, you 90s, know, the, 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 the switchboard is starting to line up, and if you want to get in, eight oh three oh nine thirty is a call. Let's go to uh, Tony and Clarence. Tony, welcome to the program. You have a comment on this? I watched his uh, so-called press conference. And a very good reporter named John Harwood went after that and made a statement that said that his responses were idiotic, that there was something wrong with this man. He says, in one minute, I can tell you whether I can deal with Kim. Well, the point is, is he already given Kim everything he wanted, which was being put on an equal footing with the United States. He gave a photo op. Secondly, he says... We have a big trade deficit with Canada. That is not true. He's, that's not true at all. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And his statements to the press were very idiotic. And he is an idiot, as far as I'm concerned, because he doesn't prepare for anything. Going to this news, to this conference, he's being used. They're not going to denuclearize in the next 10, 15, 20, or 30 years. He's well, 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 I I must myself admit to being skeptical, but you know, with Trump, you never know. You know, it, to, to 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 quote the philosopher Yogi Berra, "It ain't over <laughs> till it's over." Right? Yeah. Am, am am I right? Yeah, but one thing you forget is he didn't write the art of the deal. It was Tony. It was ghost go, ghostwritten. Yes. Yes. Not right the art of the deal, and he still hasn't made a good deal for the American people. Right now, he's trying to take away the uh, health care of the 400,000 Americans who have pre existing conditions to destroy uh, the Affordable Care Act. His, he's not enforcing the laws that are on the books. Okay. Hey, Tony, thank you. Thank you for weighing in. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. That was Tony and Clarence. 
Uh, if you want to get in on the conversation, the number is 803-0930. I think we're going to take another turn after the break, although I'm not sure what that'll be. We've got one more segment with the doctors. And again, at the top of the hour, we'll be joined live in studio by New York State Senator Rob Ort and Capitol uh, Tonight reporter for Spectrum News, Ryan Whalen. In the meantime, I'm Kevin Hardwick. You are listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome back to the program. This is Kevin Hardwick. One more segment with the doctors. Um, we've got some callers lined up. I may get to them shortly, but I did want to introduce another topic because I think it's important we get to it this morning. This past week, we've had two prominent uh, suicides, uh, first Kate Spade, then Anthony Bourdain, gotten a lot of attention. But it's also brought to light the fact that suicides in America are becoming more and more of a problem. It's something that, uh, you know, you, we've all been impacted. I'm sure we all know someone who's lost someone. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's very sad, but, um, you know, you, when you, when you, you, it's one of those things you can't see the forest for the trees, you, uh, the statistics are that it's, it's increasing. And in recent days, I've read some stuff that blame it on the lack of, uh, 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 professionals in, the, in, to help the people who are mentally ill. But also, it's, uh, it's not just the mentally ill that are committing suicide. There are people that are just suffering from, uh, relationships or, or breakups, or uh, job losses, whatever, uh, deep depression. Uh, and some people are blaming it on culture, some on social media. I thought I'd run the table and see if uh, the doctors of politics here have any thoughts on that. So, I mean, I'm not on, I'm not on social media, but all my family members and, and friends are on social media, whether it's Facebook or tweeting and whatnot. And uh, it's amazing to me when I see certain things on social media, the, the things that people feel free to say on social media mm-hmm. that they wouldn't say in public, on air like uh, uh, WBEN. Uh, uh, it's, it's like um, verbal vomit, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. That people often express their, their feelings in very hostile and negative ways on social media. And um, it just re- seems to reflect a lack of civility. You know, we talk about lack of civility in politics and in public life. Well, now we seem to have a lack of civility just in life, generally speaking, and, and I think that's worrisome. And I, I wonder to what extent that plays out in people's decisions when they kill themselves. You, uh, you came prepared. Again, you, in addition to doing your G7 uh, uh, research, you came, uh, you came prepared. And uh, you know, one of the things you brought in was a number for the suicide hotline, right? Do you have that in front of you? Can you yes. can you share that with people? Yes. Um, uh, um, it, I, I thought it was interesting just uh, in preparing for today's uh, show. Uh, I, I saw something in the news in the last 24 hours that indicated that suicide has become the number one killer in the United States, which is just stunning to me. Yeah. Stunning. It's, it's worse than the opioid epidemic. It's worse than cardiovascular disease and cancer, automobile accidents, things like that. Um, and some of the some media outlets have taken uh, taken upon themselves to to let, get the word out that you can call the National Suicide Hotline for help at any time, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, at one eight hundred two seven three talk. That's one eight hundred two seven three talk. And they also now have a crisis text line, where you can apparently text uh, uh, a crisis text line, mm-hmm. um, and you can find that link on the on the web if you just Google it. Crisis text line. Uh, P- Peter, uh, uh, Tim mentions in passing the opioid crisis. Uh, I mean, as chairman of the Erie County Legislature, you you weren't chairman until January, but you were a member for you know for last several years, serving with me in the legislature. I, I think it's fair to say that uh, Erie County, like a lot of other 
like, like everywhere in the nation, other governments, were a little bit late to the, the, the table when it came to doing something about the opioid crisis. But, you know, to, in, in, in fairness to ourselves, I think we've done an outstanding job reacting to it, perhaps uh, 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 too late for a lot of people, unfortunately, but, but certainly not too little. I'm wondering if there's anything that the, that the county needs to do in terms of uh, ensuring that the mental health uh, professionals are out there, the resources to combat, you know, mental illness in general, not just suicide. But you know, every time we we uh, we have a, a have a tragedy, uh, you know, some some someone shoots up a school or something, it's traced back, and we say, well, is it the guns or is it the person? Of course, it's the person in mental health, and it turns out that they were mentally ill and the help wasn't there. And we say, well, we got to do more, but we never do more. Do you think that the county can do more in terms of you know this this problem? I do, and I and I think um, it's an interesting parallel, you know, comparing the issues, um, two very serious issues with the opioid epidemic, epidemic and, and suicide. Um, the name of the segment, notwithstanding, obviously, I'm not a doctor, um, but I think an interesting parallel that we can make between you know these two issues is, um, in my opinion, we have made great strides in the opioid epidemic because we were able to. Uh, it's a still a challenge, and we're still working to do that throughout society. But the stigma attached with addiction, I believe we have made tremendous progress in our community in terms of people understanding and recognizing. It's hit so many communities, you know, from all walks of life that the stigma associated with addiction, uh, I think we're opening doors to to be able to really treat the problem and to identify mm-hmm. areas where we can where we can solve the problem. On suicide, I think we still have a lot of stigma related issues in terms of mental illness, in terms of isolationism, uh, associated with social media and other areas that the count, I think we're, where we need to do a better job of not just treating people, but opening up the lines of communication to help people understand Jill, that you need help. Jill, Jill O'Malley, you're, you're president of the Kenton school board. Uh, uh, Tim Callen mentions, you know, the social media and he called it verbal vomit. Is that what you called it? I mean, I, I know that there's always been bullying in the schools, but we see more and more an emphasis on the fact that this this bullying via social media is that much worse because you can't hide from it. It mm-hmm. follows you into your home. You know, if the bully was chasing you down the street, you got in and, you know, your parents were there to protect you Absolutely. in the day. Yeah. Now it's it's it's, nice. it's yeah. out there 24-7. Yeah, social media is pretty interesting. It, it is a double-edged sword. I just actually uh, yesterday had a girlfriend of mine post a very frank, honest um, discussion about her own thoughts of suicide, and she has children. Mm. And it was a long piece that talked about why why she's thought of it and how, you know, even though she loves her children, that hasn't prevented her thoughts of that. And one of the things that was startling to me in her post was she did, in fact, reach out to some of these places that mm-hmm. were providing. And one got back to her three days later, mm-hmm. and another one it was. So um, if the county were to ever step up and offer these services, they'd have to do it right. You've got to have accessibility, and it has to be immediate, because these people don't wait. When they're in the darkest moment, they they really they need that help at that time. Well, Peter, there's another parallel to the opioid problem. I mean, what we've heard from from people there is you got to get them right away. You can't wait three days, and that's been the problem and too often. Absolutely, you know, time is of the essence, and you know, but I think we need to recognize the fact that these are not issues that 
we're creating a vacuum or these are not <clears throat> split second decisions in most cases. This, these, you know, in many cases, these are issues that are grounded deep and often it's the symptom of a bigger problem, not the actual root of the problem. And I think the more we can educate and offer doors that can be open for people to find service and treatment, the better we'll be. Well, and going back to you know my my interest at the school level, I mean we're looking at places where we have you know mental health professionals where they're overseeing three, four, five hundred kids. Yeah. How could you possibly get to know them? How could you identify risk behaviors? And then I mean we do we take surveys and we are working on something in our district where we have an adult, um, you know, making sure that they are connecting with individual children so that every child has an adult but to your point you know empathy you, know, you I see a lack of empathy uh, and well well yeah i mean the the first responders in this case are family and friends and and that's another point that's being made in a lot of articles i've read is that social media has you know we've kept our relationships through a a, a, a Facebook post or whatever, rather than a, a mm -hmm. call or a meeting, a family get together. Uh, Tim Callen is always al always working. Uh, you've you've uh, been uh, searching the web and you found. Yeah, I also just wanted to add. In number. addition to the national suicide hotline, Crisis Erie County Service. government has a par partnership with Crisis Services, Crisis Services yeah. and you can call them twenty four hours a day at eight three four three one three one if you feel suicidal or depressed or having. Uh, thoughts like that, 24 hours a day, supported by Erie County Crisis Services of Buffalo and Erie County, 834-3131. It, 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 it shouldn't take prominent people like Kate Spade or Anthony Bourdain to get us talking about this, things or like Robin this. Robin Williams. But, I it, mean, this but, is, this it, but it has, and I think, it's, I think it's a conversation, again, like a lot of others, well worth having. I, I want to apologize to the callers who were calling in about, uh, about uh, criticisms of Donald Trump. I don't think we're going to be able to get to you this hour. Um, but uh, uh, I want to thank my guests, the doctors, for being here, Dr. Tim Callen, Dr. Jill O'Malley, uh, Juris Dr. Uh, <laughs> uh, Peter Savage, Chair of the Erie County Legislature. Alan Harris is standing by with the news when we come back. Uh, Senator, New York State Senator Robert Ort in studio. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN.